It's the 104 Podcast. My name is Elliot, and I'm here with the kind of guy who gets called up from the AHL and then sticks around and turns it into a 20-year career. <laughs> hey, Herman, how's it going? Good, Elliot. How are you? That was good. I'm doing well. That was good. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to pick up what you're putting down, okay? <laughs> I, uh, it took me who's, all week to think about it. Who's a person that gets called up from the NHL and then stays around? Uh, uh, like Cogliano. Oh, yeah. It's like the epitome, like epitome of that, I guess. Like He epitomizes this like, grinder, long-time <laughs> NHL player, this like, solid third-liner. But, you know, you need the opportunity to get there, right? That's true. That's true. I need the opportunity to get there, to get to the big show. Uh, this was uh, an interesting week, right? Uh, yeah. No, not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad week. It was a bad week. Um, so it's good that we did our trade deadline uh, episode beforehand. Cause yes. Also, like, we're never doing a show over Skype again. You didn't like it? No. Nah, no. It's, I, it's too much fun being with you. That's true. That's true. We can drink coffee together. We can bug the waitresses here. Yeah. It's great. Totally. <laughs> the better time. <laughs> I believe the professional term is server. Server. I apologize. It's server. You're right. <laughs> totally, totally right. Uh, let's do the roundup. You do the roundup this week. Okay, so the Oilers had three games this week. Uh, we already covered the one against Anaheim. Um, so this one was against San Jose, Nashville, and New York. Elliot, you predicted an 0 3. Uh, week, right? It's all my fault. This is all your fault. <laughs> Last time you mentioned that, uh, you know, you took credit for predicting an 0 and 4, and then we got like a 3 and 1. Yeah. So I'm going to take that. You're going to take the blame on this one. So Edmonton at San Jose, um, finishing off the California road trip. Uh, the Oilers came in there and, uh, and just wasn't good enough against the San Jose Sharks who are playing really well in the Pacific Division. Um, this is the game where uh, Matt Benning gets crushed in the corner while the referee was just standing there looking at him uh, being crushed. And then San Jose scores. They score again. <laughs> this game reinforces the narrative that we've been all talking about all year. Yes, it totally does. It totally does. And so the Oilers take another one in the chin in California um, and go back to Edmonton uh, starting a five-game uh, homestand against Nashville. Um, you know, Pontus Aberg's old team. So <clears throat> Nashville comes into Edmonton, and they were up 2 nothing. It looked like things were going pretty well until, you know, Oilers do what Oilers do. <laughs> yeah, this year, basically. Yeah, they really do. Oh, 2 nothing lead. Okay, here, let's hand you four goals. Yep. <laughs> here you go, Nashville. Best, one of the best teams in the league. It's no problem. Do it. Um... So the Oilers lose that one four to two, uh, and then last night in uh, in Edmonton again, uh, the Rangers coming in. Uh, <laughs> the Rangers uh, already put out a letter, put out the white flag letter, saying that they're giving up on the season. They traded a lot of their players. Five points out from the playoffs. Can you imagine if the Oilers did that? What, like the, the the faces that would melt if the Oilers are five points out of a playoff spot and like sold <laughs> off all their assets. Yeah. I just want to think about that for a bit. Yeah, because <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Imagine what Oilers Twitter would look like after that. Like nothing says the New York Rangers are the third most important team in the city than that, right? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh man, I got fire today, Airman. I'm on you, fire. You got you got some spunk in you today. It was good. Um, so the Rangers uh, looking at Edmonton, put in their uh, Bulgarian um, backup. Um, 
forget his name, but he did actually play really well. Um, it also was uh, Nuge's return back in the lineup. Um, the Oilers had a really bad first period. They had a better second period, but still gave up two goals in the second period, and then just could not uh, bring it back. Arm like Nuge scored on a great feed by who else? Connor McDavid. Um, and but they just could not could not uh, get that win, so they lose three to two um, against the Rangers. Coming up on the schedule is Edmonton at, I mean, this is another three, all three games will be at home. So Arizona will come into Edmonton. Um, and then the New York Islanders will come in, which will be an interesting game because that's Jordan Everly's homecoming. Are you excited for that one? Do you think that there'll be booze? Do you think that there'll be cheers? Do you I think, think there'll be, be signs? I think there'll be cheers. I think there'll be cheers. Yeah. I think people, like, especially this year, will come to really have really appreciated what Jordan Everly brought to the team. And he's he's been here for such a long time. He's been here since 2010. So like I'm seven, predicting a Strom hat trick. That would be amazing. That would be such like a <laughs> Like if if Tom McClellan doesn't put Strom on like Connor McDavid's line for that game, I don't know. Like that's that, that, that's what you need to do. That's you totally want to build true. up your players and yeah. like give Strom like 25 minutes that game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Minnesota comes into Edmonton. Uh, Minnesota's been playing pretty really well lately, so uh, we'll see what happens in those two games. Those three games are very, all three teams, very interesting teams to look at. Um, specifically, Arizona, since Edmonton is rumored to go after uh, Oliver Ekman Larson, so you might even get to look at maybe the Oilers' new defenseman. You never know. I've been hearing that rumor since like before I was born. I know that's what I'm. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm increasing the rumor. <laughs> that's it for your roundup. Uh, we are going to talk about uh, who are the successes, question mark, <laughs> in our 0-3 week here. Um, Elliot, you should start. So uh, this week I had uh, Pointus Alberg. Pontus Aberg? Aberg. Uh, Edmonton Oilers' newest edition. Um, I think there's always like a there's a spike in, in quality and performance when you go to a new team, and, and uh, we see this often. Uh, so I'm interested to see whether this continues or drops off. But uh, all over the ice, shooting, yep. uh, making some pretty sick passes. Pretty too. fast, too. And he's fast. Yeah, mm-hmm. like really kind of an exciting player. Um, I think this is going to end up being one of those trades that's really good for the Edmonton Oilers that Peter Shirelli makes that doesn't get any that he doesn't get any credit for. <laughs> oh, totally. I totally agree with that. And you know, I was a fan of this trade. Um, I, I said this last week that I was a fan of this trade. Like Latesto is doing well in Columbus, but at the same time, I think his time ran out here in Edmonton. Getting a young guy like well, he's not that young, but he's definitely somebody that needs um, some ice time and needs. Um, a space to prove what he's worth, and I think he can do that. I think Pontus Aberg has done really well Absolutely. in that lineup. Um, my success was uh, Anton Slepeshev. Uh, he's interesting. Been, he's been pretty decent lately. He's not been like scoring or anything like that, but at the same time, he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, but he, he's now that he's giving. I think way too late. He's been giving uh, some space to move around in the lineup. He's been doing well. I think he's taking some shots. I think he's he's uh, moving well with uh, with his line mates. I think he's got paired up with McDavid a couple times, um, and he's done well in that role. I I really want the Oilers to keep Slapshot. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because he, he kind of you get the impression that he is more um, like geared towards being a. Uh, a skill player, yes, but totally uh, in the NHL, he's probably third line 
player, but that can move up and down in the lineup. Not unlike Zach Cassian, for example. Correct. Big body. Um, I think he. I think he's tough, but he, he's not like a. He's not a big hitter, but he's a big guy, and I think that that's important too. And I really like when. He's in the corner battling for a puck. It's, it always feels, or it doesn't mm-hmm. always feel like, but most of the time it feels like he's got an advantage or he's going to win that puck. Yeah. So that's cool too. Yeah, and I like I like his shot too. I like his uh, um, and some little bit of speed. He's got some speed too. So I feel that this is a player. This is not again. This is a player that the Oilers shouldn't give up on. And I think I was worried that that there were some trade rumors in the middle of the season. I hope that the Oilers uh, don't trade him in the summertime. Um, because he's somebody to to uh, keep in that lineup. He's cheap, and he's also can move around. and He's flexible. I think he's yeah. taking his uh, he's taking his bumps, but also at the same time, I think this week he's been showing some good signs, which I like. Totally, yeah. totally. Who are your most challenging players? I you know I'm hesitant to do this because he's such a, he is normally such a good player, but I think uh, Cam Talbot had a tough week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you look at all of those games, uh, Nashville and, and and the Rangers specifically, uh, an extra save here or there really makes the difference. And we saw in the Rangers game specifically another example of you know first goal or first shot, first goal or something similar to that, right? Which I think is um, obviously a trend, and we'll, we'll talk about this at the end of the year. Uh, as being an issue, but some of that's just on the goalie just being ready to make a big save early in the yeah. game, and you need to be ready to play. Um, and those saves that Cam Talbot was making last year, he's not making this year. You, you can't, you can't, you know, settle into a game. You need to be ready to play if you're a number one game in and game out. Um, and the Rangers, it was really disappointing and frustrating to see someone who's usually so in control and mm-hmm. so in position, so awfully like out of control misreading a play and just basically giving an open net yeah one minute into a game so cam talbot this week <clears throat> yeah i agree with you i think last week he had a really good week um but this week it's definitely you could see him giving up a lot of soft goals and giving up goals that he shouldn't i mean it's not that he shouldn't give up but at the same time i feel that you're right like last year cam talbot would have made that save um or be a little bit more in control of the game and I think there's been many times where Cam Talbot, especially in the season, where he has been uh, chasing the game, and I and that's not something that he should be doing. Um, so I'm with you on Cam Talbot. I think he, he didn't have a good his best week, but like I said last week, he did have a pretty a pretty good week. So um, hopefully you can come. Yeah, back to that's that. what we always say about this. It's week to week, right? Yeah. it's not like a, a, a you know. Indictment for the season. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and uh, speaking of somebody who uh, has been indicted for the season, <laughs> um, but I feel like I, I haven't talked about him a lot. I don't think we have talked about him a whole lot um, this week. Uh, I mean, but in general, I think Chris Russell this week has been not the best. He was fighting it a bit this he week. He was eh? definitely fighting it. You can tell in like even in the in the Ranger goals. Um, I think the first couple goals that he... Well, the first one where Cam Talbot like, wasn't ready to make a save. Also, Chris Russell just let a guy blow by him, too, right? Totally, totally. Yeah, Chris Kreider just blew by uh, Chris Russell, and uh, he was, again, chasing the play. Uh, you can see many times this week where Chris Russell was either out of position or just scrambling to get into position or scrambling to block a shot, uh, which he's really good at, but at the same time, uh, you know, and I mentioned this again with Chris Russell that he needs to be more in that defensive zone instead of like the scrambly. I need to block a shot person. Um, you know, I, I don't. I have a lot more time for Chris Russell than some other people, but at the same time, I, he, he was not 
not there this week, unfortunately. Yeah, it didn't really help his cause this week. Let's just say that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, news and noteworthy. I I posted this actually on my other my other podcast because I thought it was it was a really interesting uh, uh, thing that happened. Um, so Adam Larson went back to Sweden for his uh, father's funeral. As you know, his father passed away um, during the season. Uh, so that allowed a space for Ethan Bear to come up uh, and play for the Oilers. So he played against Nashville and he played against the New York Rangers. Um, I thought this was really neat. What did you think about Ethan Bear? I was really stoked on uh, you know um, his debut. I mean, a uh, young guy, young defenseman, lots of developing and growing to do. Um, but I think what it says about um, you know the, the, the importance that a lot of Indigenous people felt around this mm-hmm. uh, was was really. Uh, quite exciting, and, and was really proud of the Edmonton Oilers to have a hand in that too. Um, you know, before the game, the, his debut game, they had uh, a, a drumming group in, yeah. the, in, the, in the Ford Hall. That was really cool, which was really cool. And I, I don't know if that was organized through the Oilers. I don't think it was. I think it was a specific group that came in and did that. Um, but yeah, really interesting and and cool. I think. You know, we'll see where Ethan Bear lands, whether he ends up being a regular NHL player or sort of like a six seven slide in and out. He's a young um, guy too. I mean it's he's young too and you can see he looks he looks young too. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing that you know, a really interesting comment from Todd McClellan. Todd McClellan is a really excellent communicator and you understand why he has such this has had the success that he has. Basically said that the weight of his community shouldn't be on his shoulder on the shoulders, um, mm-hmm. but behind him, lifting him up. And um, that's a good quote. That's like a very powerful thing to say and, and to think about, and I think that's that's really important too. Uh, we talk about acce- uh, diversity and accessibility to hockey, um, and you know, unfortunately, Ethan Bear is the exception rather than uh, the pattern. But really exciting to 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 see Ethan Bear and the team and the Edmonton Oilers keeping up their gold standard of diversity in hockey, which I think is kind of <laughs> cool too. They do have a, a, a pretty good standard about a lot about having players that Absolutely. are people of color. Um, and it's interesting if you, I, I don't know if you saw, there was a whole hometown hockey uh, segment around Ethan Bear. It was a couple weeks back, I think, um, where he went back to his community after he was playing for the Seattle Thunderbirds um, and gave back and was teaching the indigenous youth there. <clears throat> Excuse me, um, but also like he was saying that his favorite player was um, Carey Price and like Jordan Tutu and like those were Indigenous players that he yeah. he was a Habs fan um, because of Carey Price. Yeah, and it's interesting to see like once they once you know, like Indigenous youth see those their people in hockey that allows them to you know um, strive for. For hockey, for hockey, great time, and I hope Ethan Bear allows another person and another people, and it'll just be more of a swelling. Well, we were talking sport. about this with Jujar Kara last mm-hmm. night or last week too, right? It's a very similar thing. It's around like you know, um, East Asian communities very invested in hockey. We're, we're about to see a generation, I think, of uh, of um, indigenous youth. Yeah, in indi- yeah. I, I mean, well, so. I think we're about to see a generation of uh, you, you know Indian youth in hockey or East yeah. Asians. But uh, I think we've still got more work to do as a country and as oh, for a, sure, yeah. like some larger systemic issues before we're regularly seeing Indigenous uh, individuals in the NHL. Yes, totally. I totally agree. I think that's, that's definitely uh, an issue that, that derives a lot more around Canadian culture than, than the East Asian ones. But at the same time, um, yeah, I, again, super cool to see him there. Uh, I wish the best for Ethan Bear. I hope that... Uh, 
he comes in and out of the lineup every once in a while and hoping that he can land a spot on the roster um, sometime soon because I, I have it even besides his his culture and where he's coming from i think he's a really good player <laughs> in general like he did great in the whl i mean this last two games he didn't play okay. a lot of minutes no. so it's tough to see but yeah totally exciting yeah he he was just he was okay and he like he he, he joined the rush a couple times um so i'm excited to see what ethan barry can provide for the oilers um and speaking of of something that maybe in the good news part of it um darnell nurse um, can you talk about what, what Darnell Nurse did? Yeah, I saw this on uh, social media this week. Basically, for every minute that he played in the month of February, he donated uh, ten dollars to the to Right to Play Canada. Uh, that, of course, was uh, matched by the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. Um, I think that this kind of stuff is doesn't get highlighted uh, enough, or if it you feel like it is, it should be highlighted every time. Uh, players giving back to their community. I think. Uh, it's important, you know, just as we were talking about uh, PRV playing in like an ice rink, uh, mm-hmm. you know, an ODR. Uh, <laughs> um, I think it's it's cool to see players invested in their community and 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 caring about their community, and uh, you know, it's another notch in the belt of uh, Darnell Nurse towards being a leader on the team. Uh, he's had an outstanding season this year, despite yeah. the Oilers' troubles. Um, you know, you and I are talking before this. Uh, he is my favorite Edmonton Oiler. He yeah, has for been sure. for a bit. Um, <clears throat> and, and, you know, it's awesome to see him grow. And he's so tough and scary. But also being, like, <laughs> big in the community and, and making a, a difference, I think, is important, too. Yeah, and it's and it's super cool to see, um, especially giving out for right to play, and especially during Hockey for Every Week, for everyone uh, week, Um or, or month it was, but at the same time, like that was a, that was around the time the Oilers uh, wore those patches on their um, on their helmets, and this is great for the community. And like Darnell Nurse is a person that comes from a family of athletes, which is really cool. It was really cool to see uh, Sarah Nurse in playing in the, um, with the women's team, and then they highlighted uh, Darnell's sister, which I forget her name, Kia, Kia, uh, playing with was it Duke or yeah, yeah. Playing college basketball, but she's also on the national Canadian women's national team too. Yeah, so like that's a family of athletes, and they're really, and you can tell like uh, that they really care about not only uh, being great athletes, but also like caring for the community too. And I think, um, and I like the way you said about leadership. I'm very curious if they maybe next year they'll hand him an A. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it always depends on like where things are going. I think Larson wears it now, and Newt yeah. wears an A. Um, and Lucic, I think there's three assistant captains. Yes. So, um, you know, there's always politics around taking an A from someone and going to someone else. True. Usually it only happens when <laughs> one of those guys gets traded. And, and for a number of different reasons, I don't think any of those guys are going anywhere. But um, <laughs> I think in, you can be a leader without a letter on your chest. True. And, um, I think Darnell Nurse is, is a leader and, and is, is, is becoming one in terms of his play on the ice, but also... Um, his actions in the community, and also, you know, and we'll go back to this again, a person of color, uh, a leader amongst his community, too, in the NHL. So, um, you know, after P.K. Subban, probably the most notable person of color in the mm-hmm. NHL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think so. Um, speaking of people with A's, um, Nuge, coming back. Thank goodness yeah. he's back. <laughs> he scored a sick one last night. He really scored a nice one. Um, 
I mean, that was mostly due to McDavid, but at the same time... Is that the first time that... So were they on the same line there? This is the thing, because I missed the back half of the game. They weren't on the same line together at the beginning of the game, but were they playing, or was it just like a, it was a broken a, line change? It was a delayed penalty. Okay. So I assume that... Uh, McDavid the, was extra on the ice. McDavid was extra, yeah, exactly. And okay. uh, he... <laughs> McDavid skating around... Um, I think it was Nemestikov. Um, and just throwing the puck in the front. And, of course, Nuge being... Uh, you know, an offensive player. He uh, was right there on the ticket. So I, I'm, I'm so happy that Nuge is back. It sucks that it that he had to take an injury for such a long time. Um, Broken rib sounds awful, by the way. You know, it's funny because I'm like, as when when you hear someone breaking their rib as an athlete, you're like, man, if I broke my rib, I'd be done for like a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> like it would take me a long time to take- recover. <laughs> And you're just like, yeah, I felt better, but, like, I couldn't breathe without pain. So uh, I decided not to play hockey. I'm like, okay. All right, dude. <laughs> like, I, like, I sprained my ankle, and I'm like, ah, oh, a month, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> These guys, man, I swear. Um, so this is good that Nuge is back, and uh, I hope that he, uh, you know, takes care of himself. Like, it's the end of the year. Like, we're still got a month left to play, and... Uh, you know, I think these guys are now striving for next year. I think they're just battling for next year. Well, they're building character and building, uh, um, uh, what do they say, like uh, uh, camaraderie or yeah, an identity team. for next yeah, year. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. Um, you know, obviously everyone's uh, upset with how things have gone. So uh, this is an opportunity to hone some skills, play against some teams that are battling. So play meaningful hockey, just not for you. Yeah, true, 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 true. Um, and speaking of returns, but not unfortunately in an Oilers uniform, um, Jordan Everly will come back this this week uh, playing against what the Oilers play against the Islanders. Uh, this is the first time Everly will come back as uh, a member of the New York Islanders. Um, and you mentioned it's like, who do you think? Do you think he'll get booed or do you think he'll get cheered? Mm, I don't know. I always had this question before. I mean, I think there's people that are going to go after Everly no matter what um, because of his playoff performance last year. But I think generally speaking, there will be, you know, a round of applause and, and a welcome home kind of thing. I mean, he did play what? Six seasons. The Edmonton Oilers. Maybe even 2010. So yeah, six years. Yeah. I mean, there's, that's a history for a team. That's a, that's a long time to play NHL hockey in one place. And I mean, we've kind of taken those, those sorts of stories for granted, but in other places, that's a big deal. It so is a big deal. I think that there will be a, you know, the, it'll be a nice sort of, uh, welcome home. Now yeah. let's kick his ass, kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan Everly was a was a player. Like, yeah, his last year wasn't the best, um, but he was, he is a solid player, and he's playing very good for the New York Islanders. And uh, not only that, he was um, a notable player. Like, besides before Connor came out, it was Hall and Everly. And, yeah, and those were the two players that were the notable ones for the Oilers, and uh, he carried that torch pretty well. And uh, um, I will definitely cheer for Jordan Everly's return. You know, I'm glad that he's doing very good in New York Islanders. I wish that he was doing it in Edmonton, but whatevs. <laughs> That's life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. We, we, we have to have an Everly conversation at some point here. <laughs> we, we, we just do. That's just It will happen. <clears throat> eventually. Summer topic. <laughs> summer pin. Um, speaking of summer-ish things, uh, uh, Elliot Friedman on his 31 Thoughts uh, segment mentioned about uh, Milan Lucic um, and someone tweeted at him saying that, uh, you know, our, basically the question is, are Euler fans uh, reasonable to be upset 
at Milan Lucic um, for his uh, for what he's been doing this year. Um, and he mentioned he's like, you know what? Yeah, because of the money that he's getting paid, and also uh, the expectations on him were really much higher than I think he was be able to put out. Uh, but he's like he I, he mentioned that he might feel a change of pace would come, um, and he just speculated. I don't think it came out of like any noteworthy thing, but he said, you know what? I wonder if Edmonton and Vancouver were to trade uh, Louis Erickson for Milan Lucic and how good that would be. Um, but what do you think of the role of Lucic lately, uh, especially in regards to the Matt Benning situation? Yeah, I think that's where you've got to start, and the, the conversation starts and ends, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Lucic is the kind of player that, uh, and I think he said this, and many people have said it needs to be physically engaged in a game in order to have success. Right. I mean, he's been fighting it so t- so hard this week. I mean, or this year. Think about. I think it was, was it this week where he hit a post, like yeah, wide open did. net, hit the post. He did. And it was like that was the San Jose game. Yeah, yeah, and then I it came like, back. Oh San Jose scored. Like yeah. it was just brutal, right? And it just sort of epitomized um, everything in the, the Edmonton Oilers season in, in so many different ways, but particularly in Lucic's season as well too. Um, there's lots of pressure on him because of his contract. I don't really think too much about that, or I don't judge him too much based on that because ultimately. We're all signing that deal. Exactly, that's the thing. On like the GM, you like if somebody deal, offers so. you that, of course you take it. <laughs> um, is there a lack of feistiness in Lucic's game? Yes, there has been from the beginning of the season. I will say that I, I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Benning incident is just the la- the latest in what's been a long line of opportunities for Lucic to get physically invested in a game, right? Um, and hasn't, and so. That's worrisome because this is year two of a six-year deal that we mm-hmm. expected the back half to be not good, and mm-hmm. this is the the front half. And even if the team is losing and not going to make the playoffs, the expectation is that like Lucic was there not just to protect Connor McDavid; he's there to protect the team. Yep. And he really embraced that role last year and was he did he really and, did? And, and you know there was two games at least I can think of where his physicality kept the Oilers in it or won a game. One in which he ran over a guy behind the net. Mm-hmm. Um, and that guy came after him after the whistle, and they got a power play, and the Oilers scored on that power play to to win the game. I, I forget. I think it was Nashville actually that they okay. uh, that happened last year. Anyway, th- th- there's sort of these moments where you sort of epitomizes someone's value, and Lucic uh, was able to do that. Yeah, a couple times last year. This year, he's had no success, whether it be from scoring. But really, ultimately, what does it take to just run a guy? <laughs> I mean, that sounds awful. But like, what does it take to like you know finish a check? What does it take to be physically invested in a game? What does it take to have a fight? When was Lucic's last fight? Those are, and and, and, uh, you know, I'm not a huge like, oh, fighting needs to happen. But, (laughs) but I'm just saying, like, those are those are sort of hallmarks of his game. That's what you expected when Milan Lucic was playing, Um, and that has not been apparent this year. And so, yeah, you have to question Milan Lucic's role. Yeah, you have to question what's going on um, behind the scenes because. There's been a very noticeable difference between last year and this year. Totally, totally. And you could see it. I remember, like, the Lucic's first game as an Oiler, and it was against Calgary. And I think someone, I think it was Dennis Weidman, like, was running or was was taking some liberties on Connor McDavid. And and you're like, that's he was the first one up to be like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. I have to, like, engage with Dennis Weidman and have to fight him or something. Um, and then everyone was like, yeah, that's... The, that's what Lucic and that epitome, and then that built into the entire season. That was yes. what the season was about. The Oilers were a tough, angry team to fight to play against every night. Plus, they had the best player in the league. Yeah, exactly. So, 
it's really interesting seeing, especially against San Jose, it was weird because, yeah, he hit the post. Uh, he was, you could see in his body language that he was frustrated and he was yelling at the team. And I'm like, these things, you can tell that Lucic was very frustrated with the season. And I I don't know about the change of scenery aspect of it. I do think that there needs to be some sort of adjustments for him. Um, and it's weird that McClellan has not used uh, like him sitting out a game to to do that. But um, maybe he's hurt. Maybe that too. I don't know. There's a lot of players that have been secretly hurt, like Clef Baum, and like I know Drysaddle was secretly hurt for a bit. Larson too. Sekera is another one. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyways, uh, coming up, we're going to talk about one of our favorite <laughs> commentators. Uh, we're going to talk about the role of Don Cherry. That's coming up. For today's big topic, we are going to talk about um, somebody who's been a part of hockey for a long, ever since I've been around hockey, and I think about it for a lot of people, and that's uh, Mr. Don Cherry. Um, the reason I bring this up today uh, is because, well, first of all, the WHL, uh, the, the Oil Kings are just recently playing their... Um, Don Cherry night where they're playing with jerseys that look like Don Cherry's suit on them. Um, and also there was a there, there was a Reddit thread on our hockey about celebrating Don Cherry's uh, birthday and there was kind of like a love him or hate him like this is Don Cherry's whatever birthday I don't remember was his age but during that comment section it was very heated. It was very like some people loved him some people hated him and it was like a very controversial thing and I'm very curious, and I think we—I think it's funny because I think we both kind of agree on a lot of these things. Um, but I—I want to know like what his role is in hockey, and especially around his influence. And I think we could talk about like maybe the good stuff that he's done, but also like the things that that really bug me about Don Cherry. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think it's an important conversation to have, and and a lot of people are very scared to have this conversation because of what Don Cherry means to basically everyone. But uh, <laughs> you mentioned me, we're gonna get kicked out of Canada. Let's let's do it. Yeah, we'll get kicked out of Canada, like for having this, like for being honest about Don Cherry. I mean, it's funny because I had this, I had like a very you know frank conversation with my grandmother who loves Don Cherry, like basically a week and a half ago, which was oh really? This you, is funny that you brought it up. And basically, you know, we didn't want to get into it because it's family and and I love my grandmother. She's 85 years old and she's awesome. But I was like, you know, I'm a, I think he spends a little bit too much time judging people based on where they're from. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, she, you know, she said, oh, I haven't really noticed that. I never really thought about it that way. But, you know, I'll look for it. And, you know, it was, it was a positive conversation. I mean, here's the thing is that I think that Don Cherry's role in hockey is uh, over inflated. Yeah. To us, because we're in Canada, I don't know that Don Cherry has the same sort of clout in generates the same sort of interest in the United States market. So, is 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 he as uh, you know, are people's interested in what he has to say in Pittsburgh, New York, Philadelphia, other big hockey markets in the states? I don't think so because they're not watching him on every Saturday night like they do in Canada. We do in Canada, right? Right. So, I think that that's something that we have to be mindful of. What frustrates me is I think Don Cherry is a representative of a, a an era gone by in hockey. And, uh, and, you know, articulates that vision of hockey, that version of hockey uh, that no longer exists. Mm-hmm. Um, and not that it no longer exists, but isn't as prominent. 
and you know whether it be his encouragement of fighting to the Rock'em Sock'em videos that were basically like hits to the head over and over and over oh, again. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I think you have to be honest about how out of touch he is with the league and what's going on. But I also point to, and I think big conversation, a big piece of this for me is always like, why does the CBC continue to give him this medium, this opportunity? <laughs> totally. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's so much to go into here, but that's, that's my, that's where I'm going to start. And then I'll let you go. Okay. So my issue with Don Cherry is that, um, yes, I've grown up watching him and I've, even when I was a little kid, my my issues as a kid started as that he was a, a homer for Toronto. And, oh, yeah. I, and, uh, totally. and that was like, whatever. Like, everybody knew that. Everybody knew that kind of thing. And I knew, like, the Hockey Night in Canada in general was homerish to Toronto. Now, as an adult, I kind of understand why. Because of the ratings. Because of the market where it is. And blah, blah, blah. I, I don't. I don't understand why. that. Anyway. I understand when I was when I was younger. I don't understand why the CBC has a bias towards Eastern Canada. I really don't. But now, anyway, whatever. <laughs> I think now I get I think it. It's bullshit, Herman. Yeah, okay. it is BS. But I, I think I, I understand where, like, why it is a bias there. Um, but before, when I was a kid, I'm like, whatever. Like, I don't know why I don't show other games on Hockey Night in Canada. Anyways, um, but Don Cherry was always a person to me when I was a kid that was like, oh, this guy's like fiery and blah blah blah. He like he, I think he knows what he's talking about. But then later on, I started realizing like, he actually doesn't really know a whole lot of what he's talking about. Um, and the thing that bugs me is that he's so revered in so many circles. And I think Don Cherry is a great, um, oh, what would you call it? Like, like to find out where a person stands, <laughs> like either politically, value-wise, and stuff like that. Sometimes I'll throw out the question, do you like Don Cherry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it really it's tells a good, me. It's a good litmus test. Yeah, it's a good like barometer for me to like to say to me, okay, well, is this person like... Like I'm sure a lot of people will say, well, like, well, he is, uh, he's, he's, you know, he's racist, but he's like proud of being Canadian. But I'm like, but he's racist. But like, he's a straight up racist. He's been, he's been racist. French so Can- many- but it's not even, it's not even like based on nationality, though, right? Like, think no, about how he talks English. about French Canadian players, right? It's yeah. like It's this like anglicized sort of version of white English speaking males is it, it epitomizes what he sees in a hockey player and what's important to him. Yeah, and then like let's be honest here, he's the do- he's he's the Donald Trump mm-hmm. of of hockey, basically one hundred percent. And in the same ways that people are excited and, and and influenced and interested in Don Cherry, are the same ways that people in the states are voted for Donald Trump, right? Like he's yep. there's this like populist sort of like man's every man. I'd like to have a beer with him. He tells it like it is, straight shooter. Um, kind of uh, perspective of Don Cherry that is revered amongst so many Canadians, and I think it's of an older generation too. I mean, yeah. He's like a wet dream for boomers, basically. Yeah, he really is. Um, like it, the funny, the funny thing is, savage millennial takedown. <laughs> but it's true. Like he was. I, like I don't know. People forget these kind of things because it happens so many so often. Like like when Rob Ford um, was being. Introduced into the Toronto, um, Toronto mayoral race, or, or I don't know what it was for. He came in and called every called everybody pinkos and said, um, "He's like something to do with like screw you, all you bike riders and stuff like that." Or it was like it was a, such like a conservative take about like like not even just like this conservative. Was Don now. Cherry on like the Rob Ford campaign. Yes, this is this is Don Cherry in Toronto mayoral thing. 
propping Rob Ford yeah. and called everybody pinkos and called and said something about like rose color like I'm wearing I'm wearing rose because of you pinkos blah 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 and then everybody started wearing like pink because of that it was kind of like Toronto's own pink shirt day because of Don Cherry <laughs> uh, and not only that he's called French Canadians uh, wussies uh, divers uh, people that don't belong here. Um, he's called Europeans that that way. Oh, he he, he loathes European hockey players. Like, I mean, and, and the funny thing though is that, and then like like not two months ago, he was denying climate change, right? Exactly. Like, so the other thing too is what's hilarious is he's got this medium to talk about hockey, something that he barely knows anything about because the game has gone past him by. And not only is he does he continue to have this medium, but then he uses it to push. Um, populist or, or, or conservative ideals in a way that's like one not appropriate for the medium that he's on, and two informed by Sun News. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or like Rebel Media or something. Yeah, like, that. like well, like, it, I'm, I'm not surprised if he's yeah. like you know like Ezra Levant's best friend or something like that. Like that doesn't <laughs> surprise me. But the idea is that he's revered because he talks about a certain type of hockey and a certain type of you know that that, that romanticizes the game in a way that's just not relevant anymore. Right, right. And I think a lot of people, even like even if you take away his his opinions about things like like politics or, or climate change or whatever outside of hockey, even if we just talk about hockey in general, he still has these views that are what I, what I called it as Canadian exceptionalism, um, where he thinks everything in Canada is beyond exceptional because we're Outside Canadian. of Quebec. Outside of Quebec, exactly, yeah. And that's the thing, too. He's like, everyone's like, oh, he's so pro-Canadian. It's like, you're so pro-Canadian as long as you speak English. That's it. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you look Canadian. And you look Canadian, exactly. Um, the thing is that he, I think it was last year, he was uh, deriding Phil Kessel because he was, like, goofing around, like, the start of the game. Um, and uh, he, he said to, like, Don, he said to Ron McLean, and he's like, He's like, well, Brent Burns wouldn't do that. And he's like, and, and, and I remember this, like, Ron McClain is like, don't say it. Don't say the word. He's like, oh, it's because he's American. I'm like, he's like, Ron, don't. <laughs> like, basically, like, he still does this crap, okay. even in hockey. <laughs> so let, let's, also, let's also talk about how ridiculous it is, ridiculous it is that Ron McClain, broadcaster of a generation, one mm. of the kindest, most genuine, uh, important figures in our media landscape but in our country an actual media icon and someone really important he gets really elevated or you know it gets put next to don cherry every week and has to deal with that every week and it to me it's just it's so it's, it's insulting it's yeah. insulting because yeah. there's a, there's someone who actually deserves to be on that stage deserves to have the opportunity to speak and when he Great. does he uses it to to elevate people that may not be heard or lost causes or individuals uh that uh you know, he he's a great way. You know, he does a story at the end of every sort of segment that yeah. like highlights some weird individual who played his X and X game or whatever, something like that. You know, he uses his position to elevate the the, the voiceless, the people that are unknown. Don Cherry largely is just talking about good players mm-hmm. and and slamming players that he doesn't like that are having a bad time. Right? Yeah, I agree, and, and it. It kills me. It kills me that there's a lot of people in in Canada that love Don Cherry and don't see him as what what I what I believe he is. Um, it kills me that he got voted um, as one of the top ten greatest Canadians of all time. And someone like like you mentioned, like Ron McLean, like even the person beside him, who I totally agree with you that he is 
a bigger media icon. He does much more for hockey. He, and not only that, he is a kind individual and has been in media for such a long time doing much more than what Don Cherry has ever, ever done. Um, and he's not even considered in the top ten. Like, he was better than freaking, like, Wayne Gretzky. Alexander Graham Bell. He was better than Alexander fucking Graham Bell. I know. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's it, 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 And that, I think... I mean that was that's now ten years ago that yeah. that that vote. I wonder vote if happened, we do that right? again. Yeah, <laughs> where he'd end up, right? And but the other thing too is that there's people that are going to stick by him and love him no matter what he does and and, and know what he, no matter what he says. Like, um, and I think that that's that's problematic. I, I but I, at the same time, it's a bit like Lucic. Like, do you blame the guy for signing the contract or, or do you blame, do you blame the, the, the people that put him in there? And I I really point to the CBC a lot. I'm with now, you. We've been really hard on him, but you mentioned this, and I totally forgot about it. He changed a rule in hockey that's led to a lot less injuries. That's true. The icing rule, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, I remember, you know, for as long as I could remember him, just blasting the rule around, like, racing down the boards to, to get the puck, right? And he knows that players need to do it, but, you know, it led to a lot of injuries and really sort of scary stuff. And now we have a rule change because of him and a lot of other people, advocates for that as well. Yeah. And I think, you know... As mu- as overly patriotic and, and and rooted in absolute bullshit as it is, he's been a defender of the media for or the the military for a long time too. He has and, he's, been, yep. and he's and he's spoken out against uh, you know for military families and, and veterans and and that I think, um, I you know I sometimes question this. This is where I get into trouble. I sometimes question the sincerity of that because it's so. It's so hyper, you know, Canada exceptionalism. It's hyper nationalist, and it's sure. hyper nationalist. But at the same time, like you can't say that that's not. He hasn't done anything around that. I think that's important. I think uh, so he's too. also like, you know, ensured one suit maker has you know lived a very fine <laughs> life. So you know there has been things that he's done. It's just I, at at some point here I have to look and start to say I think I think the bad the negativity yeah outweighs the good. I agree. I totally agree with that, and I think that's, I think that's where I, that's where I'm coming from. Like even as a, even even if we take away all the stuff and people can go back and forth and like his politics or if you agree or disagree, like I usually disagree with his politics. But at the same time, if I just look at him as a, a hockey guy, like yeah, he's done the icing thing. Yeah, he's done a lot of stuff for, uh, you know, he's created that that uh, the Bobby Orr and Don Cherry tournament for for the younger younger kids um for those junior players coming up um and that's a big tournament but at the same time like he can do all those things in the background i, I agree with you with the cbc giving him a voice um and that's also just because it's, it's a traditionalist thing now it's like been in the air for such a long time um that I, I don't i question his validity being there anymore like i think you give or take his his hockey views and they're kind of a wash um i think there's a lot of other people that does do can say the same things as Don Cherry that without having this extra... Being an asshole. Yeah, being an asshole. Exactly. And, like, the military thing, yes. Like, totally, he's been, he's been on this whole military thing a long time, even to his detriment, you know, defending um, the U.S. when going to the Iraq War. And I remember him and Ron McLean going at it on, on, on a Coach's Corner segment about the Iraq War for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, but at the same time, like... I wish Ron McLean would just take him on, like even just a little bit more often, you know. I agree. And I and, and I think now, especially like Ron McLean, I get that at one point that Ron McLean was elevated because he was with Don Cherry. Now he elevates Don Cherry with his he does. stature. And I think part of the issue for me is that um, 
Ron McLean sort of, you know, negotiates the time and, and makes sure that they get through what they need to get through. Um, but I think that there's a role for Ron McLean in, in starting to call out Don Cherry and his bullshit. I think he has an obligation to do so because he's there and, and, and is as re- well respected as Don Cherry and, and, and could. I mean, I don't think that it's going to... There was maybe a time when you and I having this conversation is would be really probably detrimental to other people's perceptions mm-hmm. of us. And it still might be today. Um, just for some people, and I get that, but it's certainly not what it was ten years ago or no, even five years ago. And I think that now it's time to like have an off, uh, like now it's time for Ron McLean to be honest and say like, "Look, Don, you're being an idiot. Yeah, um, stop being an idiot. Yeah, no, I'm not going to just let you talk over me. What you're saying is completely wrong. Yeah, and not based in science or is racist or incites you know is is not the culture that we live in as Canadians cuz the other yeah. thing too is like this hyper nationality this this canadian interest this 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 uh you know canadian exceptionalism i think is a great term that you, that you've used here um the way that he talks about it is void of what actually makes canada exceptional which is that exactly. tolerance that acceptance that mm-hmm. understanding of uh, of where people come from doesn't you don't judge people based on the way they look or where they came from but the, the fact that they're Canadians it's it, his entire take on this is completely void of it but it's but he he, he manifests himself in military and whiteness and, yep. and, and 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 anglo whiteness right yeah no totally totally i totally agree with that and i think you're right man i think the cbc hasn't has a responsibility to that and and you're right about ron mclean like he has been kind of uh, you know a little bit complicit in this and i i'm surprised that um he hasn't done anything public to say like I don't agree with the Don Cherry say. Even though you're right, like Ron McLean is is revered, and I feel like I don't blame him for for not saying a whole lot, maybe because of his stature at the time. But yeah, Ron McLean is is somebody that that deserves all the accolades that that you should get, and I don't maybe a public statement on him. I just I just want Don Cherry to retire. I to be honest, that's. <laughs> Really, what I want him to do, or the CBC to just well, like he just take does, him out. He does like, it like just... every Saturday, right? Yeah. And it's like, and I think as soon as he does, if the CBC ever says no to him, there's going to be this outrage, particularly from the right, mm-hmm. the right media, that will blame. You know, see it as another example of the CBC. Uh, you know, the leftist media machine yeah. for the liberal government making it turn. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> like, that's that's problematic too, and and re- and really annoying, but. Frankly, like he's just Don Cherry is out of touch with the world. He's out of touch with Canada, and I'm willing to say he's out of touch with hockey. I think so too. I think so too. And like, even if he does some things that are around hockey that are really good, he can do those things outside of the public media or the or even in front of my TV every Saturday. Like, do you think if let's say the CBC, okay, let's say the CBC said we're ending our contract with Don Cherry uh, after this year? Mm-hmm. Do you think he gets a gig with like a TSN or Sportsnet? Probably. <laughs> if I if I were a competitor, yeah, I probably would try to snatch up Don Cherry, which is the like looking at it as like like a business person. I'm like, yeah, I probably would try. Just like you know how like TSN snatched up like the Hockey Night in Canada theme song or something like that. Yeah, remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think they even use it anymore. They can't. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, they they killed it. They took it and killed it. They took it and killed it. So them, that I feel like that's what might happen. But yeah, I don't. The only way I see this is for for CBC to be like you got to retire. 
or you got to retire like peacefully or something like that. I bet you there's probably there's probably like a non-compete clause in his contract though. Or maybe. But yeah, anyway, it, I mean it's an interesting question. And then what happens in the same way that you know the Hockey Night in Canada song went, would he just Don Cherry just go there and like totally kill his career? Like I'd be fine with that. <laughs> I'd be fun with that too. Whatever. <laughs> just, yeah, I don't it's know. It's just an old generation. It's an old. It just sucks that he's still around. Thinking. It that's sucks the that thing. he's still around. And then he, you know, he's commenting on the Olympics, and he's there, and it's just like you know, give other people the voices. It's just an opportunity to speak because this guy really knows nothing. He knows, no- and you know, he's the kind of guy that's going to yeah. go after you for using quote unquote fancy stats. Yeah, it totally, totally. It's just a generation gone by. Yeah, totally. Well, I think this is a good time to. To ask the question on Twitter, I guess. Do you well, do you agree with what we said? And do you actually like do you like Don Cherry? You know what? Again, the wonderful podcast is not some a place that we fool a lot of judgment. If you have some good reasons to like Don Cherry, like please let us know. Like we'll listen we, to we're them. open to them. Um but we'll also do a poll too, so yeah. you can quietly just vote in it. Yeah, and just say if you actually if you like Don Cherry or not, and yeah. we'll see uh, what the public says. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in, and thanks everyone for participating in our poll last week. Do you remember what the what the results were? Olympic ice. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people wanted Olympic ice. Yeah, I but I, I put it out there when the others were down four one in the <laughs> heading into the third. <laughs> so yeah, we were, we were grasping a straw. I, I you know I I may have influenced the results of that one a little bit. <laughs> You know, you know, Elliot is a marker. <laughs> Puts it on at the right time. Um, but on that, yeah, let us know what you think about Don Cherry. Um, let us know what you think about this uh, this episode. You know, talk about you know about like things like Ethan Bear or Darnell Nurse or or Little Nuji. Um, and hopefully, you'll stick around for next week. And uh, you can find us at one oh four pod. Uh, you can find Elliot at Tantieg. You can find myself, Herman, at uh, German Not German um, on Twitter. Send us a shout, send us a line, and uh, tell us what you think about uh, uh, 104 Podcast. Elliot, is that it from you? That's it. Have a good night, everybody. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next time on the 104 Podcast.